Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now let's dive into today's episode. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Every so often on the Business Creators Radio Show, we like to cycle in information of a more technical nature. Uh, we have a great couple of episodes on securing your website, securing your information. And since our listeners tend to be folks who have recently made a transition from being solopreneurial to having a team and employees and that type of leverage, and usually 250 and up on annual revenues. This is a great place to have a conversation about cybersecurity for small business. You may be thinking, oh, I can't do it, too expensive. Or you may be thinking, oh, what do I need to do it for? We're just small. Well, <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't quite work that way. And I can tell you the most microcosmic example of where we need to shift the mindset. And this may seem like it should have been asked and answered a long time ago, but it's still there, is when you have business creators who say, I don't want a secure password. I just need something I can easily remember. So they you know, put the name of their cat and then the number four. And my response to them is always the same. If they're my client, I say, okay, not if, but when, you get hacked and your site starts spitting porn all over people's smartphones and you start to get negative reviews over it, remember that I told you so and that I won't help you. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I take that approach. They recognize that a 15-character secure password is a small price to pay for security. When people work with us, even though we don't really get involved in the technical side of it, uh, if we do the website auditing process, we make sure they have secure passwords. And I can't remember the last time anybody got hacked over anything. So it's just sometimes it's those little things, but we're going to expand it. And to cover us for cybersecurity for small business today, I have with us Adam Anderson, a man I can relate to on a first name basis. And he is a longtime business owner who also happens to be one of the leading authorities on small business cybersecurity. The serial entrepreneur is also an author writing several books on cybersecurity and cybercrime to help other business owners understand and navigate the digital world. Adam is on a mission to help fellow business owners find the answer to the question, should I even care about cybersecurity? I think we answered that one, but we're going to get into it. His newest book called The Monster Within shows business owners that cybersecurity isn't something reserved only for the nerds in Silicon Valley. We all have a stake in this, including the nerds here in Las Vegas. So Adam Anderson, come on in. The weather's fine. Woohoo! I am excited to be in Vegas where, you know, it's Vegas. Uh -huh. The weather is always fine in Vegas. Uh, relatively speaking, relatively speaking. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, uh, I mean, there's a couple months a year here that sometimes we have to break out the fall jacket, but, you know, everything's a trade-off. And my belief is if you're in a place and you have a situation for yourself where you have more of what you need and want 
and less of what you don't need and don't want, you're headed in the right direction. Nothing will ever be perfect and needs and wants change over time. Roll with it and you'll have a better life. Yeah, that math works all day long. Exactly. That is is a good formula. All right. So right about now, I imagine we have some listeners that are leaning in. They've got a separate browser tab open and they're binging (laughs) the Yahoo out of the Googles. I think you've heard this one already. You've binged the Yahoo out of the Googles for this Adam Anderson, whose name is spelled exactly like you expect it would. You're welcome. And checking out his website, elementsecuritygroup.com. Again, you're welcome. But what I want to do is I want to take a step back. Adam, tell us a little bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and making that difference for your community market and audience. Yeah, absolutely. So I started down this path on a dare. I was uh, bored at work. Uh, I was currently doing uh, IT. I just saved the world from Y2K. You're welcome. Yeah. And uh, I was 21 at the time. And I looked at my director and I said, I need something challenging. And he said, how about this thing called cybersecurity? I was like, yes, that sounds cool. It was not. <laughs> it was a whole lot of work. Um, but it really got me turned on to business. And the reason why is that cybersecurity isn't there to keep you safe. It's there to lower your liability. You want to use the right amount of cybersecurity to make your business profitable. There's no cyber fortress that I want you to build. And the biggest fear I have for small business owners is overspending on crap they don't need. Okay, that is something that I'm very excited to get into because I do see companies investing in things they don't need and sometimes falling for schemes. I'm not going to, I don't want to get too much into things like, uh, you know, the site lock thing and, you know, there are people who swear by that and there are people who say it's a scam. I know that I, again, uh, because there's so much information on this, I'll just come right out and say it. it. Uh, We had, uh, about five years ago, we had a client who... Uh, had transitioned all of their websites from uh, one of the EIG companies to Liquid Web. So they had recently paid up front for a year for their EIG hosting, but then they moved over to Liquid Web. And so since they paid for it up front, they figured, you know what? We could just ask for the money back, but we did. But it has been actually about two months, so that would look kind of shady. And besides, it's not a bad idea to just have a backup in case something happens. We need to get something up in a hurry. So about a month before the EIG account was going to expire, all of a sudden, SiteLock comes to us and they say, we've analyzed your websites, uh, this one, this one, and this one, and they're hosted on the EIG site, and uh, we have found viruses and hacking scripts in them. I said, really? Because I delete all the files. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never heard from them again. So I bring that up because I know people that have been affected by that scam, and I've been affected by that scam personally. And I also know folks who have fallen for the blue screen of death, call this number to have your computer unlocked scam. People who I know, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying thank God that they told me about it on a Sunday and that it happened the day before so they could get to their bank first thing Monday morning and have those charges reversed before $500 of their money went to God knows where. So oh, yes. I wanted to lay down some of the things that cause people to actually be little, a little bit leery that is cybersecurity actually the threat. And when you can bifurcate between those who manipulate the lack of information that people have, 
and we can give people the information they need so they can make smart they can make smart decisions about their cybersecurity. We at Business Creators Radio Show will have done you a great service. So this is going to be one of those somewhat more techie interviews. You do want to subscribe to us on your favorite syndication network so you can download this one and listen to it again. Maybe give it to your IT technician uh, or whoever manages your network. And let's go. Let's get started. So, Adam Anderson, first of all, what are the common mistakes the small businesses make when it comes to cybersecurity? Well, the, it really does break down into how they believe about cybersecurity, right? So, you touched on a lot of this where they have these three common myths that they're following, which is I'm not big enough and no one's looking at me. I got nothing important, so they're not going to come at me. And then the last one is the most depressing. If they wanted me, there's nothing I can do to stop them. So, before we can get into talking about technology, before we can get into talking about cybersecurity, we really have to address those faulty beliefs around. Uh, they're not looking, I don't have anything they want, and I can't stop them. Yeah, and I think that's, I think the third one is a, a big deal. I can't stop them. And I would mm -hmm. add a fourth one, which is convenience. Uh, a friend of oh, mine told yeah. me, yeah, a friend of mine told me that uh, they had a client that actually ended up not working out. And one of this client's demands was that number one, every, every single software and application use the exact same password so that you had that so-called cross-team functionality. And second, they wanted all that stuff stored on Google Drive so it would be easy to access for the people who needed it. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean and, and when I hear stuff like that, I ask, what is the big deal about having an internal document that, you know, if you have 15 different applications, you have 15 different secure passwords, you do it in Notepad, you transmit it securely just to the people who need it, and anytime somebody needs to log into something, you can just copy-paste the password. Not a big deal in the grand scheme of things compared to dealing with your sites being hacked, if you ask me. Well, there's even software out there that does it all for you. Software like LastPass, PasswordOne, yeah. uh, iKeyMan, and... It's all encrypted and it's built to share passwords through team members that never actually have to see the password, right? Because one of the things you don't want them to, and, and by the way, it's super cheap. I can't even remember how much it costs because it doesn't get on my radar, right? It's that yeah. cheap for this stuff. It is a training issue. It is how do we use this thing? But, but honestly, use, take, take 10 hours out of four weeks and become super proficient at this and remove it, uh, uh, remove passwords as a big risk to your company. Yeah, and things like that are fairly simple. So mm -hmm. as I understand it, Adam, if you have something like LastPass, we'll use that as an example, and you have a team member, you can give the team member access to LastPass, which will allow them to log in using LastPass into whatever softwares you need them to log into. And so if they cease to be your team member, they cease to be your employee, you just deactivate them from LastPass, and you don't have to change 25 other passwords. Do I have you that about it. right? You got it. That's the concept. Now, I'm going to say that this is not a LastPass uh, commercial. Right. Uh, all of these companies have also been hacked. So yeah. here's, 
But, but remember, we're not about 100% safety. We're about redu- reduction of liability. And it's so much easier to tell your customers, hey, you know that thing that everybody trusts like Amazon or LastPass, that place got hacked and that's why there was damages and your stuff got out. Not that I did something egregious. Like if you did store it all on a Google Drive and you're sharing that with a whole bunch of people, yeah, that's, that's liability. If you spent yeah. some capital and you went and got a business process supported by a mature business tool, that's reduction in liability. No customer is going to leave you after a hack if one of the software vendors you're working with got hacked. Right, right. And uh, that leads to the next thing that you wanted to share with me, and that this is one of the things I've been looking forward to asking you is, how do you turn a hacking nightmare into a chance to create raving fans? <laughs> this I got, this I got to hear. All right, so there's, I'll give you two examples. First, I'm gonna give you an example of a hack that went bad where the company went out of business. The punchline is um, there was a whole rash of attacks on CPAs, and by the way, this still does happen, so this is a cautionary tale. Ask your CPA about this before um, they, they file your stuff again. But a CPA got compromised, a password was given to somebody it shouldn't have been had, and online, a hacking group filed fake online tax returns for everybody in the CPA's um, portfolio. And because most people wait until like April 14th to file, they got all this stuff done in January, got the tax returns because, you know, no hacker is going to pay your taxes. They're getting returns, trust me. Right. And they got, got the money sent to the uh, to throwaway gift cards and throwaway bank accounts. Um, and that CPA had to go to each one of his customers and help them hand deliver where the customer had to go to the IRS office in person with a package and it it destroyed his CPA practice. He was a private practice and now he works for somebody else. Right. Um, similar thing happened to a lawyer buddy of mine. He got hacked, his point of sales got hacked. He had an online credit card processing um, that also was compromised by a password. You're, you're seeing a, a pattern here, right? Yep. And they got in there. Now, the, the password and user they had couldn't really do a whole lot, but it did have enough authority to change where the money went and to actually issue billing statements. So he couldn't steal his customer's credit card information, but he could bill them and then send the money someplace else. So about a week goes by and my buddy's phone is ringing off the hook. And why are you charging me $10,000? I already gave you the $10,000. Why are you da, 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 da. And every single one of the customers inside of that payment processing system got charged between five and $10,000 over the course of uh, 24 hours. And he didn't know about it until he had angry customers. Now here's the good news for him. He had a cybersecurity insurance policy. And that cybersecurity insurance policy was able to be triggered which made the insurance company deploy a professional team. Because what we're looking for with this is not money to recover. Because if I gave you a million dollars after a hack, you still wouldn't know what to do with it, right? Right. So they parachute in a forensic investigator to find out what the hack was. They send you a cyber PR person to help you communicate with your vendors and your customers. They send you a lawyer specialized in cyber law. It just keeps going and going and going. And they help you put everything back together again. 
So he had about three months of business disruption where he's working with the FBI, he's working with the insurance, he's doing all this stuff, but then he got back to business and his insurance policy covered his uh, uh, downtime and, and loss of revenue for those three hours. I mean, three, three months. Three months. So, so the, 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 the thing was, yeah, they both had um, productivity loss, but the lawyer with a cybersecurity insurance policy was able to really recover. Now, it didn't stop damages. He still suffered, but he's still in the game. And that's what it's all about. How do you keep yourself in the game? Yeah, so where's the part about creating raving fans? So the lawyers, um, the lawyers' customers were so blown away by how proficient he handled all of this and how quickly he responded that his business actually ended up growing from nothing more than referrals. They're like, oh, you know what? This guy handles is great. We're safe. His customer service was off the hinge. The way he handled that crisis really shows me I can trust him. There's a, there's a saying out there, you don't have a customer until you solved a major problem for them. Right. And this was his opportunity to step in and show that outside of his core competence, he had a business that they can trust. And those raving fans, after he was hacked, were using that as the story they were telling other people who should do business with him. Isn't that crazy? Well, I can, I can see that too. I've, yeah. And I've been saying for a long time, uh, I do check out online reviews when I'm looking uh, whether it's a certain type of vendor I need to work with or if I want to go out somewhere like a restaurant or a resort or something like that. And when I'm looking at the reviews, let's say that uh, it's a scale of zero to five. So the best you can get is a five-star review. I'm not looking for the company that has an average of five stars. I'm looking for the company that has the average of maybe 4.3, 4.4, something like that. Hmm. Because I want to see that overall they do a good job, but I want to see that they messed up, how they messed up, and what they did about it to make it whole. Because yeah. I go into any situation knowing that even if I'm dealing with a good venue or a good provider or what have you, statistically, my account could be the one where something goes wrong. And I want to know that I'm going to be made whole. And I want to know that I'm going to be treated well throughout that process. You show me that. That actually gives me more confidence in somebody who allegedly gets it perfect. And I don't think that anybody gets it perfect because I actually devoted um, half a chapter of my book to how I really fucked something up once. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> and, there, and there are those who are going to say that I just made a big mistake by dropping an F-bomb on my own show. But it is my own show and I can do whatever I want. So uh, that's... <laughs> Sometimes there's no word that will, will, will fit the bill other than fuck. You got Precisely, precisely, precisely. There's also the matter of pattern interrupts because we've done uh, some surveying and outreach to some of our most avid listeners, and we found out that a significant portion of our audience is streaming episodes of Business Creators Radio while they're doing something else. So give you a couple examples. Let's say somebody's a, a copywriter or a social media marketer or something like that. They'll have our episode streaming in the background while they're writing and posting stuff. Uh, people in IT, for instance, will maybe have us on in the background while they're working on some code. So we have to bear in mind that some of the information we're delivering, we need to deliver subconsciously and we need to break the white line fever by creating pattern interrupts to get people to say, oh, wait a minute, there's something going on here. It's an important point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh -huh. So 
Now that we know how to create raving fans, let's look at some of those risk factors in the first place. I mean, we covered some of the mistakes. We looked a little bit of the mindset, but now let's triage it. So yeah. if you were brought in to triage a small business, how does that work? Well, the first thing we do is we start looking at your business processes. You have to understand where the important data, human, and technologies are all integrating with each other. So the really good news for everybody out there is that cybersecurity is about business processes, not about cool whiz-bang technology. Matter of fact, I don't care about technology. It changes so fast. We're going to get somebody else to deal with the technology. You have to know how your business runs so you can tell the smart nerd where they should focus. The thing yeah. that we, we don't want is for you to bring in the, your, your cousin's uncle's brother, whatever, who is like, oh, I know about computers and say, okay, make me safe. That doesn't yeah. work. That absolutely doesn't work because that person will do what they know and not look at your business risk. So that's the step one. Step one is let's assess your actual business risk so that we can find out where, you're, uh, where you should be spending time and money. And we do that through two tools. One is something called a business continuity plan. And that is something the Fortune 500 do so they can work with the government and Lockheed Martin. The, the, the version I'm talking about is super dumbed down as a one, a one spreadsheet. Right. All right. And the second is disaster recovery. You take a look at if if this process went down, how do I recover? And if you don't have a plan, you're at risk. So the first step is all about assessment and paperwork. It's boring, but it is also very important. Um, and once you have that, you can then start applying some really basic stuff. And so if it's all right, I'm going to run through the, the, the real high level bullet points real yes. fast. All right, let me do hit it. it. Do it. Step, step one, you need to have backups. And I'm not talking about you're backing up to like a drive, a jump drive. You need to have offline uh, backups that are offsite, online somewhere else that an adult human being manages for you. Some of us, Google Drive works fine. Some of us, Dropbox works fine. If you have a database or you've got a little bit more complex company, you need to find the right database solution or the right backup solution that supports you. And you want to be paying some kind of monthly fee because here's the, 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 here's the secret about backups. Typically, you're, back, you're paying to have the data stored somewhere, and then they don't help you put it back where it belongs after a crisis. When you're buying a backup solution for your company, make sure you're also buying something that when the cybersecurity experts show up to put your company back together again, they have help from that backup provider. All right, the second one is the cybersecurity insurance policy. We talked a little bit about that, but I want to caution you not to just go out and buy one. The cybersecurity insurance policy is the most profitable insurance policy on the market right now for the insurance company because they will deny you and deny you and deny you. These are complex stuff. The good news is if you do that business continuity, blah, excuse me, the business continuity plan that I was talking about, you check almost all of the boxes to guarantee if something goes wrong, you will get paid. So third thing is, this might be the, the uh, easiest, never log into your computer as an administrator. So Adam, when you get a new computer, uh, you log in and it says create your account and great, now you are logged into your brand new laptop, your brand new computer, and that account has all of the rights, all the permissions to do anything you want, all the applications, all the things. What you need to do is create a brand new account that locks yourself down. 
If you don't have the rights to hurt yourself, then I don't care if you click on the link that you're not supposed to click on. I don't care if you get fooled into downloading something you're not so supposed to because you don't have the rights to hurt yourself. And speaking of that, 99% of all threats out there are old. So all you have to do is allow those automatic security patches to happen on your Windows and Apple devices. Right. And you're rock solid. You really are. Really simple. So let me just read that one back to you before you go on. Yeah, man. Is uh, basically when you're setting up a computer, and I and I do this, so I know what I, I know what we're talking about. I'm just bifurcating this for our listeners. Is yeah, when you do, you know, you, you pull it out of the box, you do the initial setup, and it walks you through what do you want your username and password to be. Basically, mm-hmm. that's setting up an admin account. So yeah, you want to set that up, write down its username and password, and put it in your safe. But then you want to set up a user account for yourself. Even if it's you're the only one on a computer, you you use day to day because the user account will still let you do everything you want to do with the computer, but it will actually block ad, adverse adversarial things from happening because those viruses that try and come in simply won't have the authority or the access through your user accounts that they would have through an admin account. You got it. It is that simple. And it is such an easy thing. Uh, It is a little intimidating, but man, there are so many videos on YouTube that will show you how to do it. Um, Just Google it. So um, rocking on the, we talked a lot about insurance on a lot about insurance, but we also talked an awful lot about passwords. So I want to dive into passwords a little bit. There's two things that I really, really, really want people to do. The first one is called two factor authentication. And what that is, is it's a username and password. That's one factor. The second factor is some third party thing, like a code that is sent to you on your phone or a key fob for your banking account. But there's something else that you have to have for that username and password to work, a second factor. So uh, my example is I use two-factor authentication for Gmail, which I use. So when I log on to Gmail, I type in my username, I type in my password, and then Google sends a message to my smartphone and on that message says, hey, Adam, looks like you're trying to log in. Is this really you? And if I don't hit yes, nobody can log in. So when you're using two-factor authentication, it doesn't matter if they steal your username and password because they simply cannot get in without that second factor. Um, this is something that you can have on almost every single product and service right now, but it isn't available everywhere. So that brings me to my second hint about passwords, and that is something called a passphrase. Uh, yeah, everyone wants to have a 26 character, 17 number, blah, blah, blah. The easiest way to remember a long password is to have it be a phrase. So the one I, uh, I like to suggest as a starting point is my kids are awesome. One, two, three, exclamation point. And then at the beginning of each word, you just capitalize that letter. So capital M, you get it. Yeah. If you're smart or if your neighbor's kids are better, use uh, my neighbor's kids are better. Whatever you like, right? But right. the idea is some easy to understand phrase and then you begin to get super complicated and replacing vowels with numbers but honestly just having a passphrase with a couple of numbers at the end and then a special character will check all of the boxes that you need especially if you're pairing it with a two-factor authentication solution right i think uh, yeah and i think that you can do things like that like for example i'm not gonna i'm gonna say just one thing that some folks might do is Anytime you have a, you, you have an L 
in your password, replace that with an exclamation point. So you get used to using special characters, but the yeah. substitutions are obvious to you. So maybe you put in the um, you put in the copy not not the copyright symbol, but like the the at symbol, like you know, like you'd use in your email, and you use that. Maybe that substitutes for the letter A, or maybe it substitutes for the number four. But it's yep. something that only you know, and it can be nonsensical to the world as long as it makes sense to you and you can remember. And before you know it, you actually do have a password that looks like gibberish, but you remember the phonetic phrase behind it, so you know how to assemble it. Yeah, it's like dating in high school. No, it's not like dating in high yeah. school, but, it, but it's complicated, right? But you understand it. It makes sense to you. So, I mean, the, 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 the pushback I have about passwords. Well, first, let's talk about how they crack passwords. Okay. There's two ways that a hacker will crack your password. The first is a brute force way where they have hacked into some system and now they have the database of passwords. And now they've set their computers to work trying to crack those passwords. And that's why we ask you to have super long passwords with complicated characters is that it screws with the bad guy's algorithms. So that when we're telling you to do complicated passwords with all these characters and stuff like that. It's to break their ability to brute force your password. Unfortunately, the more common password uh, violation is what you were discussing earlier, which is social manipulation. I send you a fake phishing attack email that says, um, your bank account needs you to update your routing number or, hey, we're changing payroll, so please connect us to your bank account so that we can do direct deposit. And you are manipulated into typing in your very awesome complex password and you give it away for free. And so it really does bring us to the last part, which is you have to train your people to have resilient brains against social manipulation through technology. Yeah. Okay, you've made a lot of great points here, and I have a couple questions and a couple things that I'd like to clarify here. And let's start with two-factor authentication. Yeah. I mean, I'm familiar with what it is, and I know that uh, you know I have some clients that use it. Uh, I use it in some places, and here's where I typically use it. And uh, I'm going to admit to maybe a maybe a slight flaw in my own cybersecurity. <laughs> I use it in places where I'm the only one who would log in anyway. Yep. Because here's where I think some of the resistance factor comes in, and it makes sense when you think about a business moving forward, is let's say you have a, a company that has five employees, and the owner's still pretty much involved, and they have the two-factor authentication set up on their GoDaddy account. Okay, so we need a website put up. You need to edit the DNS because the IP address at the server level changed because you're using a name hosting instead of DNS server hosting. I mean, there's all kinds of different ways you can look at this. And the second factor is the owner gets a text on their smartphone that only they see, but your owner goes off the grid for large periods of time, whether it's because they're on vacation or they're in meetings or they're traveling or they have a weird sleep schedule. I mean, and then you can't get anything done because then by the time they get the authentication request three hours later, it's expired anyway. So you can go two <laughs> weeks back and forth trying to get an IP address updated on the A name record in GoDaddy yeah. and your site's down the whole time. Yes. So I think you're familiar with that nightmare. So what can we do with our business processes to help to mitigate that one? 
So this is when you're upping your game. You've just, you've identified a pain point in your business processes and the technology matched to the process. So the process is you want to update the website. You need to make a change. You want to work on the thing, but the supporting technology is not designed for a team. Right. This is when you start shopping for new supportive technology that allows you to have the team work the way it is. Now, chances are, uh, for the GoDaddy solution, there's probably a service where you can order a different like key fob or something physical that can be mailed to you. And there's usually a component to these two-factor authentication uh, solutions that isn't 100% just to one person's phone. So that's right. the first thing you check. Can I? Can the existing two-factor authentication solution support a team? If it cannot, then you start shopping for a new web hosting provider. And that might be out of the cards. You might say, nope, nope, that's way too much. I, the, the risk isn't that big. We're going to remove two-factor authentication and depend on something else. So the, the thing is, the question to ask yourself is how big of a business problem am I having right now? And what is the impact of me trying to up my game? And is it going to be more expensive for me to switch web hosting providers or can I figure another strap bolt-on type technology that will help me do the job with my existing stack? And you know, what you gave us there, and this is what I really appreciate, is a thought process where you weren't necessarily saying one answer is better than the other or one is right or one is wrong. What you've given us is a framework through which you make that determination. I mean, it could also be decided that you know what, we don't really need two-factor authentication on the GoDaddy account because, you know, we log into that thing on the rare occasion once a year when we need to update the credit card, and uh, we only put up a new website once every three months. But on the other hand, if something's wrong with our sites and we need to you know, reroute the DNS of the backup server or our host informs us because we're using the A-name version of hosting that they've changed the IP addresses, I can't be a barrier to the people I depend on being able to handle this for me. So we'll do without it on that one. But maybe yep. we but maybe we run the password through LastPass instead. So only I know what the password is. So what you're saying is look at the different balances and the different options available because yeah, leave GoDaddy for what? For Namecheap for some other. <laughs> I mean I mean cuz uh, not to put down domain registrars, but they really are about six of one half a dozen of the other when it comes down to it really. Yes. And uh, I mean, I, I mean, I know that some offer different solutions and there's a reason why some are more expensive than others. I get that and I'm not going to get into that, but I'm just saying all things being equal, the process of moving your domains to a different registrar is big. Yeah. Yep. This is a business problem, not a security yeah. problem. Right. And that's, that's the thing is every single security problem you have is rooted in a business problem. The only reason you deploy technology is to make sure the functional business process you already have cannot be disrupted by an outside influence. That's the only reason. And so, yeah. so you've got a team problem, not a security problem. You've got a business process problem. And then you get to decide how risky is this and what do I want to live with? Because right. We're here to make profit and amazingly please customers. We're not here to become cybersecurity experts. And if you find yourself going that route, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, there's a phrase, there's a phrase I use sometimes. Um, and I know this comes up with one of my clients where their virtual terminal for their merchant accounts 
Like every three months, the password changes. They get no notification the password's about to change. And then, and then the uh, password reset gets disabled. And then they have to call and spend an hour on the phone with people to get, <laughs> to get it reset. And you know what the best part is? This company claims that the password automatically resets itself every 90 days. But, 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 but my client timed it. Because they said, oh, if it changes every 90 days, then we'll just put a note on the calendar. 80 days from now, I'll change the password while we still can. Not right. a big deal, right? So you put it on somebody's Google calendar where they're going to get an alert that part of their agenda that day, in addition to calling Molly to make sure the food is there for the, for the banquet, is to change the password on the virtual <laughs> terminal. But they were finding the password would sometimes change at random times, like 45 days, 54 days. And, uh, you know, it just gets to the point where that's one example. Another is, and I've seen, uh, and I've seen companies do this. Uh, I, I actually deal with this with my, uh, with my online banking portal for my business is sometimes, and this happens completely randomly, I'll log in using the username and password that I know off the top of my head. Yep. And, and, and let me just tell you the whole story. Cause this is, and the reason I know the password off the top of my head, cause I've had I'll tell you candidly, I've had the same password for that online banking portal for seven years. <laughs> it's a complicated password, so we're secure, right? Uh, the first time I try to log in, it informs me that I'm locked out due to multiple login attempts. Nice. And then I have to go through the whole thing of having a code texted to me, which means I have to go in the other room and find my smartphone and hope it's charged because I, I don't use it at home at all. I only use it when I'm out. And then get that code and enter it in. And then it has me reset the password. And so I just type in the same password I've been using. It says, okay. <laughs> so it puts me through a bunch of crap only to not even address the main reason why companies will have passwords automatically expire from time to time, which is just to change things up. Yep. So I, I find it ironic that it locks me out for multiple login attempts when I've only clicked submit once. And then it doesn't do what that type of technology is supposed to do, which is prompt you to, you know, change your password because it is a good idea to change it now and then. So yeah, the bottom line, Adam, is I'm getting to when it feels like the password or security system is set up to protect the account from its own users. That is it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not proud of what I'm about to say. But in the cybersecurity industry, we used to refer to our users as N losers. Yeah. Um, and it really was, as long as there's a cybersecurity expert making decisions about how your security is set up, you're going to have experiences like you just described. That is why I highly, highly, highly recommend you bring in business people who understand cybersecurity to help with strategic planning and laying out the business processes and all of that so that you can then go to the nerd with a document saying, do what's in this document rather than asking the nerds advice. Because when you have security controls deployed by nerds, they're going to make it so safe, not even you can use it. Picture a TSA yeah. line that no one's allowed to get through, right? Uh-huh. That's not what we're doing here. Yeah, I fly often enough, I know, I, know, um, I know how that works. You know, the thing is, is when I, uh, when I fly, I'm a member of this thing called Clear where basically mm -hmm. you can skip the entire line and look into a screen and it'll scan your pupils and verify who you are. And because you participate in that program, I'm, 
I'm sure that there's some sort of uh, database stuff being done. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but the point is, is uh, that's about 30 minutes you're now going to no longer spend in line because as soon as you get your pupil scanned at the clear station, they take you and walk you right up to the right up to the scanner where you put your stuff in a little thing and you walk through the thing where they scan your body so you don't wait in line for 30 minutes while they look at the the tickets and draw their little circle and their little check marks on them you get walked right by it yes by so, the way yeah so it makes you so so it, so if you use that example that in itself is kind of a strategic decision because they found mm -hmm. that there are people who will pay for the convenience of not having to stand in the freaking line. Yep. And for those people, and I count myself because I renew my clear every year, it is worth it to me to not have to stand in that line to pay the, to pay the 120 or 150 bucks or whatever it is. Yes. Absolutely and that, right. And, and that's capitalism, and that's what's beautiful about it. For those who don't want to pay and think that uh, they're better deals to stand in line, well, there's a line. They can stand in it. And the cool thing about what you're talking about isn't just that the capitalism is happening, but you've owned your own security, right? They yes. said for those of you who are responsible enough to go through some kind of uh, background check or some kind of whatever it takes to get clear, because it's not just a dollar bill. I'm sure they ask a couple of questions at the very least. They oh, pre-qualify yeah. you. That's actually better security than TSA. So TSA is what we call security theater. Every test that has ever been done with the TSA, it's like less than half of the, the tests are um, successful. Yeah. TSA is there to make us feel safe, not to make us safe. And that is what we do when we buy all of these products to make us feel safe in our companies, but it doesn't actually make us safe. So I, I think that this TSA example is fantastic because we aren't trying to convince business owners to set up their very own TSA between them and their customers or them and what they're trying to do. We right. want them to get clear. We want them to put in a little bit of money up front, a little bit of planning and bypass all that stupid garbage and get right to where they need to go. Yeah. So like if I were building a customer friendly system, this is just what comes to mind as we're talking back and forth here, Adam. Um, and I wanted to have it in place where the passwords for my users for my membership site are going to expire every 90 days. There are a couple things I'm going to do. Number one, after the password expires, I'm going to allow them to use the password reset feature. They're not going to have to call me and argue <laughs> with me for an hour. I'm not going to disable the password reset feature, for goodness sakes, because just disabling their current password is enough. It's going to make them create a new password so that it fulfills that goal. That's number one. Number two... I'm going to, as, if, as much as is possible, I can find a programmer who can make this work or find an off-the-shelf technology that makes this work that will alert them. Your password will expire in three days. Log in and change it now. Yes. And, and a lot of folks are going to say, yeah, that's right. We know it changes every 90 days. We're on day 87. Tell you what, let me just do this real quick. Now I don't have to worry about it. And then go to last pass, put in a new password. Okay, we're good for another three months. And it's so much aggravation you're not dealing with. And at the same time, you're protecting your own technology and you're protecting your customers. And, and to be honest, changing your password, that, that doesn't really do a whole lot for you. Okay. So th this, is, this is old stuff, old possible. 
the cybersecurity community and the IT community in general have to bring old behaviors that worked 20 years ago to today to support the stuff that happened 20 years ago. Right. But as far as I'm concerned, and this is my personal opinion and some, yep. uh, some of my nerds' friends' opinions as well, it's zero value add to change your password every 90 days if you're doing everything right. Now, the, the only reason why this is valuable is if someone has breached one of your other accounts and you're using the same password everywhere, then maybe changing and mixing it up. But really all it's going to do is reset the clock and everyone's going to uh, figure it out again because you've either given it away or they brute forced it. And so if you're right. not giving it away and you're not brute forcing it, then what's the value add of changing your password? I, yeah. I, Honestly, I have the same password I've used for, again, like you said, many, many years, same passwords. I'm just doing the extra one or two things to make sure I don't have to do it. So if you're, you're with a company as a vendor that's subjecting you to this, it's even more frustrating because there's no value add to it. It's just an old policy that they've had in place forever that nobody wants to update or look at. Yeah, and I've said many times that in so many cases, policies and roles are permanent overreactions <laughs> to temporary situations that come and go preach it yes yes that, that is the problem in I, I, yeah i mean i mean i mean have you heard the one about the about the man who wonders why his wife cuts the ends off the roast oh that sounds familiar but i all right me, I'll, tell I'll, 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 I'll tell it i'll do it for you and i'll do it for our listeners here we go a man noticed that his wife would cut the ends off the roast before she put it in the pan. And he asked her why. And she said, well, my mom told me that if you cut off the ends of the roast, it makes the roast juicier and more delicious. So that's why I do it. He thought, okay, uh, whatever. Doesn't make sense to me, but okay. So he asked his mother-in-law and his mother-in-law said the same thing. Well, the reason I told your wife to cut the ends off the roast is because it, helps get the juices in better and it makes it more delicious because the flavor comes through and then the broth is better and everything else. It's like, Oh, oh still, I don't get it. So now he turns out that the grandmother-in-law is still around. And so at the next Christmas gathering for the family, he pulls aside the grandmother-in-law and he says, you know, I noticed that, uh, you know, your daughter and your granddaughter, who's my wife are cutting the ends off the roast and they say that it makes it juicier what have you i haven't heard of this is this some kind of family secret and the grandmother-in-law said well during the great depression we couldn't afford another pan and the roast was too big so we cut the ends off so it would fit <laughs> yes yes old policy yeah <laughs> and, and you know what the best part was the great depression didn't last that long within grandma's own lifetime they were able to buy another pan Right, exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that's what you need to think about when you ask, why is a rule there in the first place? And I would even apply that to, why is this security procedure there in the first place? Does this actually serve, as you said, the business goals, or is this a, a permanent overreaction to a temporary solution? Like, for example, um, I could say, well, uh, somebody, we had to fire somebody and then we caught them logging in the next day. All yep. right. So do you really need to do 19 different things as a permanent overreaction to a temporary issue? 
or do you just find a way to better to better and more efficiently cut somebody off if they go? LastPass could be the solution. Mm -hmm. But it all has to start with you understanding your business processes. Right. And all has to start with you taking the time to go back and audit all that crap because here's what none of us want to do. None of us wants to take our eyes off the ball of sales, marketing and fulfillment to the customers and going back and looking at all these things is a real pain in the rump. Right. So, so all where, where I'm hearing you saying, and I totally agree is before you make a policy, before you put something down on paper that shall be, this is how we do things going forward. You really, really, really need to make sure that you're thinking about it. And it might make a good idea to make that policy time constraint for the next right. six months we do da, 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 da. Yeah. So building in the sunset clauses, we would think about when we have legislation. It's also the reason why um, our government is, you know, one of the many reasons actually why the government is so bloated and why we have so much inefficiency and so many laws that don't seem to make any sense is because laws are also in many cases, permanent overreactions to temporary situations yep. and they don't build in the sunset clause. I mean, they take the time to build in the sunset clause on tax cuts. They should do that <laughs> with other laws as well. So and, 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 and maybe you need the law for five years or maybe you need it for six months so that it causes the legislative or whatever, you know, whatever lawmaking function you have to say, yeah, well, that uh, the sunset clause on this kicks in in two months. So are we going to vote to renew it? Or are we going to vote to amend it? Or are we just going to let it die? But at least forces a decision point, And we could probably get a lot of a lot of bad laws just because they say, yeah, whatever, just let it go. Yep. Yep. No, and, and that's exactly what you need to do with your business. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what you need to do with security policies and, you know, updating your, your old strategies. And it's, uh, it's not really pleasant to do it, but when you get in a habit, instead of it being like a half day going through all of your stuff, if you're doing it on a regular basis, that's a 15 minute conversation with a couple smart people in your company. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's very, I think that's very much the case. So, uh, again, and going along with this, whenever I've been in a situation, whether working with a client or, you know, back in the days when I used to work for companies and I heard the phrase, that's the way we've always done it. <laughs> I was, I guess one of the reasons they labeled me unemployable and unable to align with the mission of the companies. Cause I'd be that guy who would say, yeah. And somehow you've managed to survive despite that. Yep. Good thing your customers love your product. Yeah, true, true. Uh, and so what I want to gather is a couple of the takeaways here, and you'll add to my list because we're near the top of the hour here. First of sure. all, instead of just taking the, and I don't want to put down nerds because I am one, um, I, you know, if you just leave it to the techno nerd to implement security, their frame of reference is going to be put on all kinds of layers and have double duplications and redundancies. And yeah, it makes it harder for somebody to log in, but to hell with it, security is the most important thing. So you look at your business processes as the foundation for your security process. So if you are hiring a techno nerd to implement it for you, you can work with them and let them know what the goals of the company are and what's most important to secure. And they can design a security protocol that keeps that in mind. So yes. part of it's a matter of communication, education, and awareness. 
And another thing you, uh, you know, identified is that some of the things we think that we're doing are actually important for security have very little relevance as long as we're doing other things correctly, like changing passwords. And so as long as we're doing handling passwords correctly overall, changing them every three months or whatever is somebody's overreaction to some temporary thing that happened a long time ago, but with, uh, with you know, secure passwords, things like LastPass, things like two-factor authentication, as long as you're doing some of those things, the ones that make sense to you, that changing the password isn't much. And then the third item is look at all your policies and time limit them when it's relevant to do so. Build in sunset clauses, build in review clauses, so that nine years from now, you're not hamstringing people with some security protocol that barely made sense for three months after you implemented it in the first place. Yes. And nobody remembers why. So we missed anything <laughs> or does that cover the main points? That covers the main points. It does bring me to one last thing I kind of want to sprinkle on top of this. Okay. Is we've talked an awful lot about policies and all this stuff, but it does come back down to the human. So I kind of talked about it in the, uh, uh, in the middle of what we're talking about, but you need to have continuous training for cyber awareness inside of your company. I don't care if it's a solopreneur or a company of 500,000. Um, there are super cheap um, software products that will send fake phishing attacks to your employees. And if they click on the wrong thing, they will get a short training video that will yeah. teach them what they did. So I actually just invested in a company that does that. It's Hook Security, uh, hooksecurity.co. You cannot buy that. You can only buy that through a technology provider. So I encourage you to go to your technology provider and ask them about it. Because again, this is something you don't want to have to run. You want somebody else to run it for you. And whether you use yeah. Hook or you use somebody else, man, these things are like $3 a month per person or less. This is a bar tab, a year money. Go out there and train your people. Right. I think these, I think these are some great points and I do encourage all our listeners, make sure you subscribe to us so you can listen to this episode again and maybe share it with your, your techno nerd who is managing these things for you. It could be helpful to them and make them more valuable in their work with some of their other clients. So you're paying it forward. So I encourage everybody to do that. Now, Adam, you said you in the green room, you had a little something for our listeners they can take away if they're leaning in and want to look at where we go from here. So why don't we give you a minute just to share that? Yeah. So the thing that I find most valuable for business owners is having that business continuity plan that we talked about. Uh, I've got an assessment that you can go out and check in where you're at about how am I doing with cybersecurity. And you can download a copy of this uh, business continuity plan. And I've got a five, 10 minute video that teaches you how to use it. And that empowers you to take control of your technology again, even if you don't understand the technology because you understand the business process. So yeah. uh, head on over to um, elementsecuritygroup.com or find me on YouTube at Adam Anderson, CEO. I've got a channel of one minute business videos. Uh, some of them are cyber, but most of them are business process related because honestly, that's what we're doing here. So right. grab, grab some of that stuff, learn your business well, and then tell the cyber guys what to do. Right, exactly. So thank you very much for that. And thank you, Adam Anderson of elementsecuritygroup.com for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. Thanks, Adam. Take care.
All right, for everybody listening, we trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. And while you're there, as I said, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes like the one you just heard delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.